0: This podcast contains audio clips taken from several videos shown during the presentation. If you'd like to be able to see those videos, head on over to paulelmore.com, do a search under Stuck Week 3, and you'll be able to watch those. Thanks.
1: Okay, got it. Ready?
2: You're
3: listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. (laughs)
0: Shh. This series is going to kill me. Okay? Or if it doesn't kill me, it actually might try to kill some of my family members. Last week, what did we talk about? Trauma. Trauma. So, what happens this week? My daughter's driving home from work, and she gets her car totaled. Okay? She gets rear-ended. So, what I decided to do is take five minutes here, and I want to connect some dots in real time, because this isn't just theory. Um, what's actually a little odd as well is some of the books I was reading out of last week, and a lot of this content comes from a guy by the name of Peter Levine. He's kind of um, the forerunner in um, kind of that mind-body connection and, and somatic experiencing, and and how to process trauma differently. Because he's a researcher, because he's a, a, a clinician, and he's just always always curious. Um, before he wrote his most latest book, he was actually hit by a car. I mean badly. And while the people are loading him onto the gurney to get him into the ambulance, he's in his brain going, isn't this fascinating? This is interesting. My body's wanting to twist this way, and my hands wanting to come this way. And the, the guys are trying to sedate them or trying to stop them. And he's going, no, no, no. My body needs to do this. I need to, I need to work through this energy in some way. So he, he puts all this process in his book because he's just that kind of nerd. Um, one of the handicaps of being a daughter of a, of a trauma counselor, is um, sometimes this actually happens within our own family. So my daughter, who happens to show up on this, you want to come up here for a second? Because I thought I would give her a chance to kind of put in her own words. This is my daughter, Michael. Hey. My daughter is 20 years old. She is um, getting ready to head off to Cape and Ray, which is in England, for nine months or so to get out of the house, and kind of make a name for herself and get away from the nut jobs that is our family. Um, Be nice. I love you. I know you do. I'm your ride home, so be extra nice. Um, Just a couple quick things. Um, When did your, what was your initial reaction physiologically? Or, or again, because car hits you. Let me put some context around it real fast. Number one, she didn't hit anybody. She's a very good defensive driver. The car, two cars in front of her actually lost control and spun out and ended up high centering on the median. She hits the brakes. Very good daughter. Taught her to have lots of stopping distance. It's probably the excellent training that she got uh, uh, from the driver's (laughs) instructor. Um, She was able to stop in time. The lady behind her was not. Came in, (sighs) clobbered my car. I've been restoring she bought it from me, it's her car technically, but my, 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 old, my old E30 is now gone, so we can warn that well, another time. <laughs> what was your initial reactions physiologically when, when your car got hit, what was kind of the process? I just froze, I mean
3: it was, um, I slammed on the brakes and just locked up and kind of froze, I couldn't even think about what had happened, I said a couple of bad words, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so you you hit the brakes. You get crunched. You call me. That was yeah. your first thing to do.
3: Get out of the car. Make sure no one else in the other cars were hurt, or that I could see that they were all out and okay. And then it was the first thing I did. I stepped out of the car and just started shaking. Physically started shaking. I started to cry. I started to cry a little bit. And then. Get license information. I get insurance information. I had to make sure everybody else was okay. Um, I had to. It it was down to little things. I had to make sure the pieces of my car that were in the middle of the road were out of the road so no one else got hurt. My brain, my body, shut down and went into task mode. So I was still shaking, but I couldn't think about that.
0: And when did it change? When? When did your body finally kind of have that big release?
3: Um, my brain. Yep.
0: So Sunday, when I'm just kind of messing with her when we're at church, and I come up with a glass with cold cold on it, and I come up and I just touch the back of her neck, yeah. being and loving <laughs> h- father. Okay, just yeah. it's yeah. what dads do. We're allowed.
3: Get it off kind of a thing. And yep. so it was, I felt bad afterwards, but it was just so much of a shock to my sister. Yep. I couldn't stand
0: it. Or when your brother's tapping on the couch or something. Just not even
3: thinking about it. Well, he's just, he's just sitting there tapping his foot, and I can feel it reverberating through the couch. And I'm like, you have to stop that now. Because
0: it was just. There's some heightened yeah. sensitivity in that. So um she's okay. She's doing good. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's what we're most glad about. The car can go away. She's still here. Yeah. Um, but it it lingers. It doesn't go away right away. The car the car wasn't crunched very bad. It wasn't a it wasn't a high speed crash. You know it was 35 miles an hour on a frontage road, you know airport way kind of thing. So what, it's not a massive crash. She was able to walk away from it, but her body wow. is still in the kind of this heightened state, yep. and it takes a while for her body to now get into that. I am actually safe. I'm okay, mm-hmm. and that's when I can start poking her again, and she won't try to nice. throw a right cross and <laughs> knock me out. So wow. that's that's pretty common. That's pretty normal. Does that make sense? Kind of just kind of recapping from last week. Trauma is physiological. It it, it rests in the body, um, and it takes some while to process through it physiologically. Kiddo, thanks. appreciate you coming. Yes. It can linger for years, right? Um, It can linger for years. If she's intentional about how she processes through it, it, that time can shorten up for sure. Um, And, again, human beings are different than polar bears that we watched last week because polar bears don't have to get the insurance information of the guy who shot them in the butt with the tranquilizer. They don't have to move into task mode. They're just animals. They just respond. They're very self-centered. They don't care about anybody else. My daughter, her brain kind of switched from this I'm I'm shaking, I'm reacting, to, okay, now i got to get this stuff done, to, okay, now I'm feeling it again, to now i got to get more stuff done, now i got to make phone calls, now... So you kind of have to ebb and flow out of this. both states. That word right there, state, is something we're going to talk a lot about in two weeks. We're going to have all sorts of crazy experiences with that week. So don't miss that one. That one's going to be fun. (sighs) By the way, tonight's going to be a very different night. No traumatized dogs up on the stage. No (laughs) videos about poor little kitty cats, you know, getting clothes pinned and deactivating them. No polar bears getting shot, okay? All the animals... No animals have been harmed in this series, okay? That's, just want to make that really clear. Tonight we're going to spend some time on um, some pop cultural references. That's what we're going to spend some time, because um, what were the three ways or three causes of getting stuck? Trauma cycle, that was last week. This week we're talking about curses and blessings, also called the Pygmalion effect. You guys are going to never forget that. And then next week, we're going to talk about the banister effect, the inability to even conceive of um, some new ideas. We just recapped trauma. By the way, this cool remote, watch this. I have little laser things I can do all sorts. This is going to be fun. i got to get one of these. These are fantastic. Um, Here's what I want to do. Curses and blessings. We're going to talk... We're going to watch a video here, and then we're going to totally dissect it, okay? Christopher Maloney, anyone know that name? Didn't think so. You guys are going to know him very, 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 very well after tonight. Um, I'd like you to watch the next video, and I want you to watch for these three or four things. What is his body posture? What is his physiological state or responses? I want you to watch what messages did he hear from other people, what messages has he told himself? And then, how have those messages played out? What is his behavior? How, what is his actual actions? Okay? Everyone ready? Here we go. A little pop culture.
4: You all
5: right?
4: Are you shaking?
5: I'm really, really nervous, yeah. Sorry, nervous. sorry. It's
4: all right.
5: I'm Christopher Maloney, I'm 34, and I'm from Liverpool and I'm a customer service advisor. This X Factor is, like, the, the biggest thing that, that I've ever, ever done. You all right? Well, I, I, I didn't realise, um how how big the crowd was going to be. i never applied for anything like this before, it's just... It's took me five years to actually build up the courage to apply. I've downloaded the application form, filled it out, put it in an envelope and ripped it up.
4: Why?
5: Every, every year. Every year. i always wanted to, you know, sing, but people have discouraged me and said that, you know, you, you're not good enough. They've really knocked me confidence, you know, they've discouraged me from from applying. And me head, I just think I'm not good enough, and that's what stopped me from doing it. Just nervous, just dead, dead nervous. I can see it in you. You've got to relax now,
6: cos we all believe in you.
5: Me and me nan are dead close. Me grandad died and then I moved in with her to look after her. Me nan's the only person that's believed in me singing.
6: I love hearing Christopher sing all the time. I am 100% behind him.
5: This means everything to me. I've never sang in front of thousands and thousands of people before, and it's just going to be uh, a shock to the system.
4: Do you want to? Do you want to calm down? Who is your biggest fan? Who supports you? Minan Nan. How old is your Nan?
5: Me, nan's seventy-six. Oh. Yes. Are, you,
4: are you really close with her? Very
5: close. Yeah, we've got a. Yeah, she's here tonight. She's in the back. She's here? Yeah. And
4: what would it mean to you to get through today?
5: It, it would mean the world to me. I mean, the song that I'm singing, um, it was played at my granddad's funeral, um, and that meant a lot to me. It was a celebration of his life, and this means a lot to me, so that's why, you know, I feel like I can want to sing it today for you.
3: And Jeanette, take it away.
2: This is past this
5: Hello Pat! Hi Pat! How are you feeling? Oh, fantastic. I'm a nervous share. Fantastic! <laughs> Christopher, how old are you? 34. 34. How the hell have you kept that voice hidden till now? I've never put myself out like this before and I've just bit the bullet this today and I've just gone for it.
4: Do you you not believe in yourself? Can you not hear yourself when you it?
5: People have said that you know, don't come on here because you're going to embarrass yourself and you're going to make a show yourself. (laughs) Christopher, who Who said said that? that? People, just people. You stole the show today. Thank Uh, you. Nobody else is going to get that reaction. (laughs) Nobody else. Should we have a vote?
4: Christopher. It is a yes from me. Jerry.
0: I'm so happy for you. It's a yes from me. Easy.
5: Christopher Maloney, a million percent yes. It's a massive, massive yes from
7: me. Congratulations!
4: Well
5: he was so nervous. I thought this is only going to go one way. And I couldn't believe it when that noise mm. came from nowhere. How you feeling? Absolutely, um, absolutely um, amazed. I didn't expect that reaction at all. Yeah. I just didn't expect anything like that at all. Anything. I'm so glad when people
8: overcome the nerves like that. It's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Thank you so you much. much. Thanks thanks much. Thanks. You made worth a welcome to Liverpool.
5: Oh, Maloney! Yeah. Yeah. Through to boot camp. Come on, Maloney! <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. Pinch me if this
0: is a veal? Pinch me in I'm a, a jean. feel like it's a jean? Thoughts. <laughs> Isn't that just fun to watch? Besides the fact that it makes really good television and, you know, they've got a winning formula there. Put some words to it. Okay, what, the questions that I asked here. Let's try this. Oh, there it is. Those things. What did you notice? Tense. Shaky. shaky. One more. Timid. Yes. Red, flushed, sweaty. Yep. (laughs) Trying to make himself as small as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, he was holding back the tears. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he was, he had been roasting up there, a lot of clothes. Coat, sweatshirt, long underwear, thermal whatevers, yeah. No wonder you guys are about to pass out. After he sang, after he sang, what was his reaction? Yeah, you see that you see that kind of that, just about woofed his cookies there, okay. One of these, which is, you know, a little bit of incontinence happening, because you know we don't know what's gonna be happening here. His body's all over the place here. Stress, crazy, okay? How, um, what were the messages he heard from other people? Astonishment. Well, they're conflicting. How about the original messages, not not from the judges, but did you, did you really hear how many times that he had applied? Five times. So what did you do all five times? Ripped it up and threw it away because the messages from other people said, don't, don't embarrass yourself. Don't make, don't make a show. Don't don't do it. And then, what were his messages that he's telling himself? It means everything to me. Song matters to me. Song, to me. Song for my nana. Yep, yep. What else? He said he believes that I'm not good enough. Five times, rip it up. Five years, rips it up, throws it away. How good of a singer was he? Holy smokes. Really good. I mean, good enough to go on to the next round. I don't know whatever happened to him. I just watched this video. I mean, I don't know where he placed in the whole whole whatever the show is. But, but obviously, his awareness, his perception of himself was so skewed By the opinions or the the messages that he had received from somewhere else, right? Do you think think that someone looking him in the eye and saying, You are a good singer, would have been enough to counteract all of the old messages? No. No. Why not? It's not experiential. What's the big deal about experiential? (laughs) <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> it's a big deal. Well, like it, lives in your you have a it lives in your muscles. You have a muscle memory. Yep. I like that. That's, that's heading down the right path. Any other reasons why? Why is experiential so important? Seeing is believing. Yeah, but those experiences <laughs> reinforce those negative messages and make them powerful. That's true as well. So, bad experiences can reinforce negative messages, right? I did make a fool of myself. I'm not that good of a singer. I just got kicked off of a national TV show. I should probably give up, right? That's what Simon Cowell does a lot, by the way. Just letting you know, I'm just the messenger here, but don't try out again, because you suck, okay? And, you know, you can have your own thoughts and feelings about good old Simon Cowell. Yep, yep, they don't have enough experience to counteract the messages yet. We're gonna come back to that theme in just a minute. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to be aware of, because this is gonna be the foundation, the crux of the entire night, okay? If we were to watch this video again, we're not going to, but if we were to watch it again, I'd like you to look for these things. What songs did they use in the background of that clip, okay? Where is Chris from, okay? What part of England or the British Isles is he from? What were the names of his grandparents? If we were to watch this video again and you were going to be watching for those things, what kind of experience would you have with the video? How different would it be? Say it again. Okay, you're looking for, oh, it's on an emotional level for sure. What? Less impactful, right? Okay, what else? More cynical. Absolutely, absolutely. What if, what if um, a video editor was watching this video? Professional video editor, that's what they do for a living. How would they view that video? what would they be looking for? Ways they would do it better. Say it again. Ways they, would do it better. Ways they would do it better. That was a lousy swipe. Man, that was at the wrong timing. That wasn't on the beat of the music. They should do that better. And man, the software that they're using to, to transition this, man, they haven't got the upgrade to Adobe whatever, 3.96, whatever, because man, there's all sorts of new effects that we can put in there. And they would view that video we just watched with Chris Maloney through very different eyes, wouldn't they? be an entirely different experience. How about a personal stylist, someone who gets paid for dressing people? Train wreck. Back train wreck. okay. Might have a stylist right here. How many layers of clothing does he have? What are, the, what are the judges wearing, okay? How about his Nan? I can't believe Nan showed up on national television in that blouse, that's terrible. But oh, man, what a social faux pas that could be. Stylist could watch it and see it through those eyes, right? How about a person who's been on one of those reality shows who actually has auditioned and tried out? What would they be feeling watching that video clip? That's not what happened. That's not what happened. Fair enough, that could be, yep. Denial. Denial, yeah. I should have got through the next round, okay, and why did he make it and I didn't make it? Why did I try? Yeah, I should have gone out there shaking more, I should have worked that fear angle and get everyone's heart working. Say it again. I remember what that feels like. I remember what that feels like so they have a stronger connection to it. Absolutely. How about a counselor? How about a counselor who's watching that video and watching it and going, I bet you I could use that for a speaking engagement. (laughs) Right? Here's what's important, okay? Number one, that's just, fantastic video because it shows how powerful messages are but I want to step out of the video for just a second and I want you to understand that depending upon the filters, depending upon the grid that you have already, you filter information, any experience watching a video like that and you tend to pick out certain pieces and you tend to ignore other pieces and I can actually start to change that within you because I told you I actually set you up. I set you up to say, I want you to look for these things first in the video so you're aware of that. I actually structured your grid of what information is important. I actually just was able to offer you a blessing. I want you to get the most out of this. And so here's the grid. I want you to see this video through. If, If we had a lot of time together, I could say, here's the grid. I want you to see life through. I want you to consider looking at these situations and this situation and this situation through this information. The video editor, he picks out other pieces of information because he has an entirely different grid that highlights very different pieces of information. Does that make sense? Or the counselor who views things and says, here's what's important to me, or a stylist, or whoever that is. Is that making sense? Yeah. These, this grid. This grid that everyone has, it is essential to start understanding what grid you have. What are the f- things you are looking at your world through? Because if that, if that has been tainted, if that has been tweaked, skewed towards more of a negative, more of a um, pessimistic side, then your world actually can get very, very difficult. And I want to talk about this grid. This is This is... I wish we actually had longer and and many other ways to um, play with this, but we're limited to our time tonight. Um, here's something. Uh, let's see what happens if I push that. Yes. How do beliefs limit us? Okay. It's that grid. I want to read something for you. Okay. Some of you, your grid is going to understand this. Others of you, your grid doesn't have any containers to take in the information I'm just about to say and it's gonna go right over your head or you're gonna compartmentalize this information into other boxes that you have in your grid. Okay, here's the statement. Watt determined that a horse could turn a, uh, a mill wheel 144 times in an hour or 2.4 times a minute. The wheel was 12 feet in radius, therefore the horse traveled 2.4 times 2 pi times 12 feet in one minute. Watt judged that the horse could pull with a force of 180 pounds. In other words, this is what it looks like. Nope, there it is. That's what I just said. How many of you, that makes sense? Okay, we got one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, those people would typically be labeled as math competent, mathematicians. Okay, blessings on your head for being able to understand this language, because many of us me included, I could figure it out, okay? I had the capacity to figure it out. How long would it take me? <laughs> how long would it take you? Let me ask that a bit more accurate question. Most of you could figure it out, but it's going to be tough, okay? Do you, do you multiply the top part here first and then equals and divides and all of this, or do you, do you, you know, carry the two and, you know, divide by 12? And how does this all work out? Okay, there's a whole nother population in this room where what I just said actually might make sense because I just described something which is a very common um, me- unit of measurement. Anyone know what I just described? Horsepower. Very good. Most of those voices were men. Did you hear that? Horsepower. Horsepower. That's right. That's how, that's how they originally derived... What is horsepower? So, if your car has 160 horsepower, they actually went back to a horse, and here's how long it takes them to lift this weight and this time, and how much energy it burns, and blah, blah, blah. Okay? Some of you knew that. How many of you didn't know that that was horsepower? <laughs> yep. But they have their grid. Whoever understood that, that is their grid, and they're going, oh, that makes perfect sense to me. I get it. Here's another one, okay? Here's a word. I don't know if it's eructation or eructation, but potential causes of eructation include the swallowing of air during a meal, a nervous habit, or medical problems, including ulcers and gallbladder issues. In some cultures, eructation is considered as good etiquette after having been served a meal. The National Center for Biotechnology Information suggests that gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD, also leads to eructation. Patients with this disease often suffer from acid reflux, and eructation is considered a possible symptom. What are we talking about? Burping. That's the layman's term. But that's not what they put on your medical record. That's not what doctors do. Doctors have to have fancy words for it, okay? They memorize lots of, of um, um, uh, prefixes and suffixes and Latin and all this stuff. And so they can have words that are the buck-25 words, and, you know, it means burp. But that's, that's their grid. They are able to understand that. And so the medical people in the, office, in the room here go, well, that's easy. I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. That's their grid. They're able to process that information much, much faster. Your grid your grid is essential to how, how you view yourself and what you do with the level of belief you have in yourself. Watch a couple more videos here. And this is, these are kids who have had their grid shaped at an incredibly early age, and here's what happens with them.
8: Back in July, I introduced you to a young man who was not even in kindergarten yet, but he knew a lot about the presidents of the United States, and tonight, he is back with a new area of knowledge. Please welcome five-year-old whiz kid, Arden Hayes. Hello, Arden. (laughs) Very good to see you. Yeah,
1: and I met Al Gore.
8: You met Al Gore? Yeah, you did, did too. When did you meet Al Gore?
1: Um on the night Al Gore was on.
8: Oh, you met him here at the show the yeah. night he was on. Well, what five-year-old wouldn't want to meet Al Gore?
1: Right, he, he's the Vice President of the United States.
8: Yeah, I know he was. Were you excited to meet him?
1: Yeah, really excited. Did you talk because, to him? Yeah, I did, but no other five-year-old kid would like to... Would no, yeah,
8: you're right, you're right. I was just kidding when I said that. Did he sign anything for you?
1: Um, my like, uh, energy book, of course. He signed an energy
8: book for you? Yeah. Have you read that book?
1: Yeah, I, I have. I,
8: you have read it. Did yeah. you like it?
1: Yeah, it has, like... My favorite part is the wind turbines on the front. Oh, really? Yeah, there's some wind turbines.
8: You like wind turbines? Well, maybe next yeah. time you're here, we will talk about wind turbines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
8: yeah. That wasn't a joke, Arden. That was, uh, but um, you, uh, since you were here last, you've become very interested in geography, right? Yeah, right.
1: That's why we have them, man.
8: That's why we have maps on the wall. So you right. know every country in the world. And,
1: and, and that does not have South Sudan on it. That what? That does not have South Sudan on it.
8: It's missing a country? Yeah. <laughs> Where should it be? that should be south sudan
1: no the blue country like broke up into a southern half called south sudan
8: oh i'm sorry i didn't know i you know what i'm gonna make sure someone gets fired over that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because because why because the the country broke broke up into two countries.
8: I know, it's ridiculous. You'd think everyone would know that. Yeah, but
1: no one does. But no one does,
8: except for you. You know a lot of this stuff, and so I'm going to quiz you, and I want to start with an easy question. How many countries are there?
1: 196.
8: That's exactly right. Well, we're going to show you some countries, and uh, I would like to ask you to identify that country and then name its capital, okay? Yeah. Now, again, he doesn't know. We're not running any of this stuff by him, so let's go to the first one. And there's the globe, the world, spinning?
1: Paraguay.
8: Paraguay? Yeah. Let me see. Yes, that is right, Paraguay. And what is, <laughs> and what is the capital of Paraguay? Asuncion. Uh, Asuncion, that is correct. You're absolutely right. All right. And it's OK if you get any
1: pronunciations right, I mean, wrong.
8: You said I pronounced it wrong?
1: No, no, I mean. I mean, if you get any pronunciation. Oh, it's uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you. because then I would like <laughs> concrete is actually a Guinea, but some people think it's concrete.
8: Oh, I know, I know. I have I've had fights with people over that. Let's look at another one and see if we can identify this country. Yemen. That is Yemen. Yeah, that is exactly right. How do you know it so fast? What is the capital of Yemen? Sana'a. Sanaa is absolutely right. All right. How about if I give you a capital, and you tell me the country, yeah. OK? Riga.
4: Latvia.
8: That is right. All right, how about Funky Town?
1: No. That's a joke. It's oh, that's it. a joke
8: one. Yeah, that is nice. All right, this is a tricky one. Let's go to, um...
1: OK, this won't be a tricky this... one. This? <laughs> It broke up into seven countries.
8: Yes. What country was it originally?
1: Yugoslavia.
8: And now what countries is Yugoslavia?
1: Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Serbia, Kosovo, Montenegro, and Macedonia. Sometimes I get confused with Kosovo and Montenegro. Wow. One more
8: map, and do you know what these seven countries have in common?
1: They both end with "stan."
8: They all end with stan, that is right. Yeah. What what countries are they?
1: Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Tajikistan, I mean some, yeah.
8: Unbelievable, that is exactly I, I, right. You I, I, got-
1: Afghanistan, Pakistan. Hey it, hey, it appeared before I said Pakistan. You see
8: that? Uh-huh. Astonishing. <laughs>
0: What is his grid? And how fast can he access that information? And how stupid do you feel after watching that kid? Holy cow. Just five years old. And he's a five-year-old kid, right? He's just, he's, he, he, he's not odd. He's not skewed in some way. But somehow, I don't know how. I don't know the background. I don't know if his parents are, you know, making him study geography books every night. Or, but, but it sticks in his brain. Yes? This is the second or third time because he um, came on before and he was naming off all the presidents, the years they were on, um, vice presidents. He's this kid who just sucks up knowledge and is able to spit it back out. And all that is, is in his brain, he's, it's, anyone watch Sherlock? Okay. Cool Sherlock. What does he use to remember stuff? The mind palace. Okay. There's one right there, because he's just walking through going, oh, this, this is just right here, and he probably sees it in his head, and he's just able to access information off of that grid. He has containers for, oh, this is Europe and all the countries and all the capitals of those countries, and here's Africa, and here's all, and he's just able to pull up all that information, but his grid is, is vast. He has all sorts of ways to remember information. Let's watch these guys here. We'll watch only part of this one, because this is just scary.
7: My name is Santiago Gonzalez. I'm 14, and I love to program.
8: Santiago is crazy about computers.
7: I'm fluent in about a dozen different programming languages. Thousands of people have downloaded my apps for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad.
1: From sixth grade, he jumped to a full-time college student.
7: I will be 16 when I graduate college, and 17 when I finish my master's. I really enjoy learning. To me, I find it as essential as eating. Either you die, or you're pretty miserable without learning. I generally wake up at 5.30. Then I program for about an hour. Eat breakfast. Oh, here's Ah, yeah. I go to school. Bye. Bye. Right now, I'm a junior at the Colorado School of Mines. I'm majoring in computer science. Hey. Hi, how are you? Pretty good. I uh, go to see Professor Bacos pretty often to look at my code.
0: I often
2: have this disease, which I call long line-itis.
7: Okay. well, we may be able to do that.
2: Yeah, so that removes the instance which you don't even need. I didn't even think of that. You know, the motivation that we talked about in class about writing beautiful code. Mm -hmm. Is it enough just to write that slew of code such that the program just works? Or is the code also the artistic
7: medium? Beautiful code is short and concise. So if you were to give that code to another programmer, they would say, oh, That's well-written code, it's much like if you're writing a poem. Right now here, this is Objective C. It's what iPhone, iPad, and Mac use for programming. I've created about 15 apps for both the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. Sometimes when I go to sleep, I'm stuck with an annoying bug that I can't fix. And it's in my dreams. I see myself programming, and when I wake up, I have figured out the solution.
2: Santiago is not just a machine that excels at absorbing information and applying that information. He actually is transforming that information and empowering himself to create those things that he uh, wants to create.
7: One of the main reasons I started developing apps was to help people achieve something they wanted to do, such as decorate a Christmas tree, or maybe play checkers with a very nice user interface. Santiago is very old in some ways, and very young in others. Sometimes you forget that you're talking to a 14-year-old, but sometimes he seems to be even younger than that. He couldn't care less about what he's wearing, or girls. No, I'm not interested in having a girlfriend at all. I find that it's a tremendous waste of time.
3: Tell me how you really feel. No, that is how I really feel.
0: He just told you his grid, right? (laughs) (laughs) He dreams about coding at night, and girls aren't anywhere on that radar. But that's his grid, fluent in a dozen computer languages at 14 oh, he's going to be 17 when he gets his first master's. That's terrible. That's just, his grid, again, absorbs this information. What made it possible for him to excel in this way? Genes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There's probably some genetic predisposition. What else? Supportive parents. parents. Yep, if we were to watch the rest of this, it goes on to tell about in elementary school, he was literally bored to tears. And they use the analogy of, be like, you know, you and I sitting down, and for a couple hours going over our ABCs. That would just be just be mind-numbing. How how bored he is. He he's so far ahead, but his parents recognized that and said, "We're going to make sure that we can get this happen." He got special permission to go to college at 14, graduating at 16. Um, has the support to make it happen. What are the things possibly that made this possible for him? support of the what in the US to a family. exactly even just geographic location makes makes his gifts actually possible because he was born in a, a third world country he, he might not have ever had the opportunity to express that for sure focus. how so
4: he's got some kind of special focus
0: yeah he does have very much focus Again, if we were to watch the rest of this, we're not going to just simply because of time, but they show him interacting with his professors, and he's talking to them, this incredibly confident young man. He's very capable, very socially competent, except for dating, but he's very socially competent, and they're having him write out um, huge, large algorithms to figure out how they're going to um, engage wind turbines. For It's just crazy stuff, but yeah, he has some sort of focus. Gets up at 5.30, programs for an hour. That's a very crazy grid. Here's a different kind of um, grid.
6: When you compare Brooke to the average climber that's her age, there almost is no comparison.
1: I'm Brooke Rabatou. I'm 11 years old and I'm a rock climber. I started climbing probably about when I could walk. She wants to climb the hardest route out there. She wants to win the competitions.
6: She's able to do climbs that people once thought were impossible.
1: When I'm on a high rock, I feel I'm in control and just happy. I'll go first.
6: Brooke is a climbing phenom. She's set all these precedents in rock climbing that um, 10 years ago, the top elite climbers were having trouble doing.
3: Brooke is um, one of two female climbers in the world at the young age of 11 to be setting records.
6: Brooke was the first nine-year-old to do V10. She was also the first 10-year-old to do V11. She was the first 10-year-old to climb 514A, and the first 11-year-old to climb 514B. You're talking like 0. .0001% of the climbing community that can do these climbs.
1: I love climbing because, well, there's a lot of challenges in climbing. I don't know, it seems so cool just to be doing moves after moves and different holds. There's so many different ways that you can climb.
0: What's her grid? Since she was walking. The higher the better. The higher the better. Yep. The tougher the better. The challenge. Yep. That there's nothing they can do. Yep. That doesn't happen by accident. That is what we're calling the blessing. They by the way, any guesses what her parents do for a living? Rock yes, that 's exactly right. <laughs> the professional rock climbers. the family's saturated in this, and so yes, she probably has some genetic ability, she probably has some some um, natural giftings, strength and body structure, and all those things which are necessary for doing that kind of insane stuff, but she also is in an environment that says. This is our values. This is important to us. And so we're going to make sure that you're out on the rocks with us while you're in diapers. And so what does she just, what, what, how does a grid get built from day one? What does she think about rock climbing? This is, this is normal. This is just a normal thing. What other kids don't, you know, at, at three years old, hang off of rocks and buy ropes? It's just Normal. Yes. Why? Because life is so broad and they're so focused. I think they're in for some huge disappointment. And yeah. I'm hoping that they're geared for that. You hope they're prepared for that. You're hoping that they're well-rounded so that they can engage in life in other ways. Or they have a big gun that they can fall back on when things don't turn out the way they anticipate. Right. Why do you think that's going to happen? There you go. Thank you. I appreciate you playing right into that hand. That story might actually come from your grid, which is, which is things might not work out, so you better have a backup plan. I appreciate you falling on the grenade for that one. I, I wish I could say I planned that, but I really didn't. Yes, these kids, they are focused on one primary area, but I want you to see that they thrive. They are, they are excelling because they had parents in some way recognize you have a gift or a skill and we want to encourage this we want to facilitate a way for you to expand and grow in this a blessing or a curse the, the early foundational years that you've had will, start, will build your grid that's the most important part here um, Warren Buffett, name familiar to anybody? How much is he worth right now? Um, around 50 billion right now, okay? But as a kid, before he was 12, he had read every investing book in his local library that was, that was available. At 12, he had already read this. His mind was already geared up for this. And he had a family system that encouraged him, please read in this. And so he happened to pick something that was fairly lucrative, you know? Spare 50 billion here and there, um, When we miss that, when we miss out on that blessing, how does it build our grid? What would happen to Santiago, the kid before this, the programmer? What would have happened to him if his parents go, I'm sick and tired of you getting notes from your teacher that you're messing around in class. Um, You better shape up and just sit still and be quiet. Where would he be? Another place. A very different place. Any guesses? Yep, that energy has to go somewhere, and it usually goes into a negative place. I think that his anger, uh, would stand out to the other kids, and I think he would have been ostracized. And yep. Picked on and Again, if we were to watch further in there, he goes in to talk a little bit about that, how that he was actually mocked for some of his stuff, because as when he was six years old, he was building circuit boards. Kids get mocked at six years old for building circuit boards instead of, you know, playing with Thomas the Tank Engine. That's just a very kind of social thing. But he would have been, it would have been hindered. He would have been held back. And his grid would have said what? Different isn't good. Different isn't good. Exactly. And so he would have started playing out this grid. Um.
3: Yep. does it look like he's actually matured or developed at the same rate as
0: other you know, right. people? Right. Yep. I don't
3: know what standard people use. Right. Perhaps he's
0: delayed. Yeah, he's, his parents actually said that. Sometimes it's talking to an old soul and sometimes it's talking to a very young kid because, yeah, there isn't that kind of balance yet around some of the social stuff for sure. What kind of grid, here's the more important question, what kind of grid was built in your guys' life? We can look at these videos all day long, but what did you hear? What were you encouraged to do? What were you encouraged not to do? What was your grid? What are the boxes that you have? Some of those boxes are, um, you can be fairly successful in life. Some of those boxes are, don't try anything, because if you mess up, you're gonna risk something, right? That could have been the message. I heard a message similar to that one, Play it safe. That's that's an important, that's probably a a higher value. Play it safe rather than risk too much. Simple grids, people who have very simple grids are kind of um, called black and white thinking. This is all good or this is all bad. Um, People who have gone through experiences that we talked about last week tend to put people into those. So they're called white hats and black hats, okay? This person, this kind of person is all good and this kind of person is all bad. Very simple, just big container boxes, and there isn't much room for gray in there. Um, oftentimes, if you've, if you've been hurt by um, either a man or a woman, I sit with clients all the time who one or the other, mom was, was more uncomfortable or more scary, dad was more uncomfortable or scary, and they've kind of extrapolated big box themes out of that, and their grid says all men are bad. All women are bad, can't be trusted. And so they tend to break it up into into big boxes. But that actually starts to limit your ability to function in life. Because if you only have two boxes to put information into, you get stuck, which is the whole point of this topic tonight is this is actually how you get stuck, is when your grid doesn't have the boxes to process information that comes in. People with positive grids, people whose boxes say, I actually can overcome things, I can solve problems, I can succeed in life, I am lovable, I am wantable, I am valuable, their experiences, when they hit the normal everyday life struggles of of things aren't working out right, they go, you know what, I'll figure out a solution, I'll figure out a way. Because they have a box that says, look what I've done before. And so that information goes into that box people who are on this side, and their grid says, nothing's going to work out. Always play it safe. Always have an exit strategy. Um, Be careful. Don't don't risk too much. Don't get hurt. Um, Don't try. You'll fail. Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't embarrass the family. Any information that comes into their life, they tend to get limited, and their grid starts to hold them back, and they start to get stuck in the midst of that. There's, um, grids are cultural, by the way. Um, I grew up in the age before cell phones, and internet, and Facebook. And so my grid is, when I'm doing something in my world, the last thing I'm thinking about is I should post this to Facebook. Here's my breakfast. It's just (laughs) breakfast. I don't share it with anybody. It just doesn't happen. Other people who have grown up in different times around different experiences, right? Their grid says what? Look at my breakfast. Share everything. Yeah, this is my breakfast. This is fantastic. And other people go, wow, that's a great breakfast. I'm going to comment on that because I need to have some sort of say into your world. <laughs> Facebook is part of a grid, Right. Communication, transparency, vulnerability, all those things. It's just, I I don't have the Facebook box. I missed that somehow. I've actually tried to develop it in myself. I do it sometimes, okay? But I definitely am not not this generation of of people who just naturally do it. Um, There's one box, though. There's one box in this grid that is probably the most dangerous the most dangerous box in all of this, okay? Oh. The box that says, I can't actually change my grid. There are some who go, who have learned, probably on this negative side again, I'm not actually allowed to consider my life or my world being different. This box right here is what will keep you stuck. This box right here is the thing that says, oh, there's something you want to try, there's something you see someone else doing, and you want to actually see if you can put that into your life, wait a second, nope, don't. They're different. They're better than you, they have more resources, they were born in a different time. All these, all these reasons, all these excuses, you can't accomplish that, and so that, that message kicks in very, very quickly, and so you go, oh, that won't work for me. That box right there, that is the root of being stuck. And some of you, that box is very small, and some of you, that box is huge. So everything you try goes through that, goes through that main box there. Santiago, again, the programming kid, how big of the box, how big was that box in his life? Small. Absolutely. The rock climbing gal, how about her? Small. How big is it in your life? You don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to be aware of it. I want you to be aware of it. How often have you said, I actually want to try to become better, but some sort of negative, restrictive, hindering message kicks up right away automatically? That's actually part of a grid, and that comes from somewhere. You were not born with that box. I want to say that again. You were not born with that box. I've had four kids. I've watched them all when they're infants and I haven't seen them yet try to reach for something and they go, oh, wait a second, dad, I probably can't do this. I shouldn't reach for, you know, whatever thing I'm, toy I'm trying to reach for. They don't, they don't have that. That gets learned. That gets developed in some way. Where did it get developed if that's one of your boxes that you carry? Because that right there is the box that we have to challenge. That's, that would be considered the curse, the curse is when someone like Christopher Maloney has these voices that say, don't try, don't make a fool of yourself. That's an actual curse. The way we're going to define curses is just a verbal message that affects your behavior in a negative way. It's not a complex, it's not a complex definition, but it's a verbal message. They don't have to hit you. They don't have to, they don't have to threaten you. They don't have to harm you in any way it's just their belief system is now imposed onto your life. And for whatever reason, it sticks. You give them the power to say, oh, you're, you must be more right than my opinion of me. And so I'm going to believe that. It's going to stick in some way. That's a curse. What becomes more dangerous is when we tend to... Um, Keep the curse alive. Christopher Maloney, he just sang unbelievable song, and he walks off the stage, and what was he saying? Do you remember some of the words he was talking, saying? Pinch me, this can't be real, me, can't be real. yep. What else? Anyone remember? I didn't, think would have that I didn't even think people would have that reaction. He still couldn't believe it. It didn't sink in yet, did it? that message, those messages were still louder. They were still shouting louder than the actual experience he was having. Can I make one quick comment? Sure. That,
6: which is, it's not just messages that we hear from others about what we can and can't do. Sometimes it's a belief system that's given to us that says, this is the right way to live. This yes. is the right way to think.
0: Yes. And it becomes truth. Uh, right. It becomes normal. It becomes the benchmark for what you measure everything else against. In essence, it's like having a tape measure, and the first foot is this long, and the second foot is this long, and the third foot is this long, and so it's an inaccurate, it doesn't measure accurately, but that's your tape measure that you're now holding everything up going, this is three feet long, and the reality is it's actually 18 feet long. Well, and it can get to, uh, and God made it this way, so that's the way it has to that is actually incredibly true sometimes is when there is a a morality, a faith system imposed onto it, and a higher power, okay, a higher structure or authority, God, the church, faith, all those things, this is how it's supposed to be, right? That can be incredibly cementing, and I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot where people have to go, wait a second, I'm actually having to challenge my church that I grew up in, or I'm having to challenge my parents' faith or belief system, that is tantamount to, I might as well um, cut myself off from the entire family. I might as well be the worst thing out there. So that's a very real thing. And again, it keeps you stuck. That's the theme of this this seven-week series. See how that can keep you cemented and locked in and rooted. Yes? What if that comes from your own personal experience? Nobody told like?
3: me I wasn't very good at uh, running, but I just tried many times, and I could never beat, you know, whatever. Yeah. A seven-minute mile. I couldn't do that. So what is is that? A, would you consider that a
0: curse, or is that? Um, that comes back down to a value system. Why is a seven... Um, what, if, what happens when you create your own belief system... Um, that limits yourself. It didn't come from someone external. So she used an example of I can't run a seven-minute mile or something like that. And I've tried and I've tried and i tried and experience shows me that I actually can't run a seven-minute mile. I'll go back to the who set a seven-minute mile as the benchmark? Why, how did that become important to you? Because somehow that had to get set in some way. Either we actually learn it in very subtle ways. Um, I heard the story of a, of a young girl who, out of the kindness of her heart, out of, just out of the goodness of her heart, when she was in sixth grade, she would make these little um, jewelry boxes and bring it to her friends. Not because she was trying to brown-nose anybody or trying to manipulate anybody. She, just, she liked her friends at school, and she made these little things as little tokens of, you know, I like you as a friend. And she did that, you know, through half the year. And then one girl one time says, I don't know why you bring these things because they're just junk. She never made another one again. A benchmark gets set in some way. That would be a curse. That would be a a verbal message. So again, how did a seven-minute mile become the benchmark? I don't don't know how that would be set. Um, But they can become self-reinforcing. It also plays into... um, if you have a family system, or even as an adult, your own family system, which says performance is more important than effort. Um, if I, ha- I have to be able to accomplish certain things, and if I don't reach some sort of benchmark, then I am not as good. And that's where performance is now the benchmark versus um, effort, versus intention, versus, you know, whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Isn't there some
6: real grid limitations <laughs>
0: I won't ask I won't ask how old you are Okay. there is absolutely we
6: have to be realistic about our grid correct
0: but you've, you've just actually um, articulated it very well we have to be realistic um, our grids are supposed to change as we get older our grids should not stay the same that's called growth that's called development Again, I don't want to be the same person I was at 20 that I am at 40. And I certainly hope that I'm not the same person that I am now as I am at 60. I hope that I'm able to adapt. I hope that I'm able to adjust. Because because I will value different things when I'm older than what I value now. That grid has to adjust. And that's what keeps you from getting stuck. Because you're able to go, oh, you know what? I can't keep up with all those young guys right now. Right. It's just an impossibility. So why we'll feel guilty about it? <laughs> exactly. So why feel guilty about it? And I value, um, you know, the emotional experience or the bonding experience or whatever that is because I just, I won't be able to keep up. Yes. We were all that the young man who yes. were Yes. When socialization or something different yes. Yes, and when his when Apple doesn't exist anymore, because that's what his goal is, he wanted to be able to get his master's, he's going to go on and get his PhD from Stanford, and then he wanted to get a job at Apple. And when Apple folds or whatever, if that is his, his highest, again, source of value, he will be incredibly disappointed. That's when his grid becomes a hindrance as well. Does that make sense? So the broader your grid, the more boxes you have, the healthier you tend to be. If you put all your eggs in one basket, put all your your value in one box, you will will never be able to maintain that just because we tend to all sag, bag, and drag eventually. We just tend to break down and we can't maintain those same standards at all. So again, flexibility and being able to adapt is essential in, in this process. Any other questions so far? Is the grid making sense? Are you starting to identify what are the messages? What what is your grid? What did you hear? What are the boxes that you tend to put information into the experiences that you come in, come into your life? I want you to be asking yourself that. The Pygmalion effect, real quickly. People do better when more is expected of them. This is the, the blessings context of when teachers actually genuinely Unknowingly, sometimes view their students as more capable than they actually are. Now, this isn't the this isn't the idea of what's there's that TV show um, tiaras and tigers. What's it called? Toddlers and Tierras. That's a scary kind of. Um, I'm expecting more of them. That's actually a whole different. Pathology. Okay, that's parents who are trying to live vicariously through their children. and That's just really, really scary. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? It's when, it's when you sit in a group and you go, I can't wait to see what this group can do, and you're not biased because you have some sort of random matrix that says this group underperforms in some way. It's like, I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, and let's see what they can do. Let's put it together, and let's see the amazing, amazing things that they can do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The teacher who thought they were IQs, but they were actually locker numbers. Yeah, yep. And her class outperformed everybody because it changed her. It didn't change the kids. That's the important part. It doesn't change the recipients. It changes. It changes the person who's speaking into their life, who's leading them in some way. Exactly. It does dovetail exactly into this. Once an expectation is held, an individual tends, that's supposed to be and, not and, an individual tends to act in ways that are consistent with that belief, and eventually his or her actions may cause the expectation to become a reality. Someone said, seeing is believing. Did I hear that earlier today? This is actually the opposite of it. This is actually, I believe that this person can do it, and therefore I see reaction or results that come from it. If you don't actually have that belief system in place first, it will actually limit what will happen for the recipient of that. Again, children, students, congregations in some way, it will tend to limit it. Believing is actually more important than seeing. Yes. Okay. Do I take everything yes. How do you take your story as a parent and get it out of the way as you are training your kids? Fantastic question, isn't it? Romans six and seven grace. Romans six and seven grace. I'm already apologizing to my daughter because I already know that I, my story is impacting her. We, we have that all the time. It's like we don't save up for college. We just save up for therapy. That's just <laughs> how it works up, okay? Because <laughs> being, marri- uh, being married, being the daughter of a counselor, that's a whole new type of dysfunction that is just scary. She got in a car wreck. Number one, is she, are you okay? Good. Number two, our shoes are on. And we're on our way right now. We get in the car. We're driving up there. And then I give my phone to my wife who's in the car with me. And I say, call Michael back and tell her when her body starts shaking, let it shake. It's good. She needs to process through all that trauma. That's just weird. That's just bizarre parenting right there. So that's, you know, my stuff getting all over my kids. And it's just a terrible thing. As parents, when you know your story, when you start to become actually self-aware as a human being, the healthier you are as a human being, the healthier parenting you will do. And you start to live in that place of grace, which says, I know that I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm actually going to be as intentional and purposeful as possible so that I can learn my story and I can understand why I respond in one way and why I don't respond in another. And it takes... It takes very um, intentional introspection, even when you're willing to put that in front of a group, when you're willing to say, <clears throat> friends, people I trust, please speak into my life. Am I missing something here? Am I seeing something? I've, have you seen me respond to my kids in the wrong way? And you actually you allow yourself to be evaluated. Right there, that is... Um, if you do that one thing right there, you're in the top 5% of parents because the majority of the world does not live a life where they're willing to be evaluated or, or encouraged to get better. It just doesn't happen. Most people are focused on, I just want to make sure that I can be happy at whatever cost. Yes? Can you do this to yourself? Like, can you hold- It absolutely can be internal. Um, We're going to talk about that a little bit later tonight, so thank you for the segue. I'm going to point to you when we get to that part. Um, But the short answer is absolutely. Um, We can become self-validating. It takes a little bit more initial energy for it to stick because the, the other default messages that are playing through tend to just be a little bit louder, and they come with much less effort. They just show up naturally, and so very intentionally, I, I call it building a new box, okay? You're trying to add a new box into your grid that says, I want, I want this to be added into my life, and so it takes a little bit of energy to kick everything else out of the way to make space for that one. How about we go here, and then we'll come here. Yes. Yes. So
3: once I perform at a high level and they expect
0: me to be high, I perform at a lower level. You do it backwards. Yeah. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> um, here's what I, here's, for those who didn't hear, um, she says that she does the exact opposite. When people have high expectations, she tends to respond low. And when people have low expectations, she, uh, she responds high. What is she still responding to? Other people. There's still an external motivator that tells me that, that it hasn't been internalized yet. And so, yes, you, you might be a little backwards on that, but you're still being influenced by the expectations of other people. And when we are, when that happens, we are held hostage by them um, in, in in a kind of a, a reverse way, but they still have some sort of power over us. And there's lots of reasons why you might respond that way. Again, whatever your story is, whatever the messages were, but it is, I have to, if you're going to expect low from me, I have to prove myself in some way because that validates me in some, some different way. I, again, I don't, I don't know your story. but And then if people have these high expectations of me, I can't, I can't live, I can't even meet those, so I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to come way underneath so that I don't disappoint them or I don't get critiqued in some way. So I, I don't know specifically why you do that, but you're still influenced externally. Yes?
3: something that's encouraging yep. to where they live up to it to where it becomes, like, abusive
0: and oppressive? Where's the line where it moves from encouraging to oppressive or abusive? Yeah, I mean, like, kids that constantly feel like they never measure up. Correct, either. correct. That's back to that. What's the t- toddlers and tiaras? Is that the name of it? That's the line that crosses. When it becomes more about um, a parent's sense of value, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of whatever... Um, and they are now using their kids vicariously to, to meet their own needs. Even though it looks, you know, I'm doing this for my children's best interest, there's lots and lots and lots of stories of, of the son who's pushed into some sort of job, and he has to do it to fulfill his father's expectations, and, and it ne- it's impossible to fulfill his father's expectations. So, yes, there is absolutely a line that's, and I, I made that real, that, that I distinguished that line because that's not what we're talking about here. This is, this is the, the, the good side, not the dark side of, of blessings. All right, let's keep moving forward through here. Holy, I told you we're not going to get through all of this. Um, how to change your grid or changing your identity, okay? This is good too. This is probably, this is probably good. Uh, here's what I want you to look for. You guys might know this name a little bit more. If you do, just enjoy it with everybody else. I want you to watch his body posture, his physiology. I want you to watch the messages he heard from others, the messages he heard from himself, and what did he do to actually change. But for
5: the next contestant, the world of showbiz seems a million miles away. It's Paul, a mobile phone salesman from South Wales.
2: By day i tell sell mobile phones, my dream is to spend my life doing what I feel that I was born to do.
5: Paul, what are you here for today, Paul?
2: To sing opera. I've always wanted to sing as a career. Confidence is, has always been sort of like a difficult thing for me. I've always found it a little bit difficult to be completely confident in myself. OK,
8: ready when you are. At Carphone Warehouse, (laughs) and you did that. I wasn't expecting that. No,
2: neither was I. This was a complete breath of fresh air. I thought you were absolutely fantastic. (laughs) You have an incredible voice. I think if you keep singing like that, you are going to be one of the favourites to win this whole competition.
7: I think that we've got a case. Of a little lump of coal here that is gonna turn into a diamond.
8: Okay, moment of truth, young man. Piers. Absolutely yes. Amanda.
3: Yes.
2: Paul, you are through to the next round.
0: I really like Paul Potts, okay? Uh, I actually watched a documentary on him. A couple years before this, his appendix had ruptured, knocked him out of commission for a long time. After he got healthy, he was riding his bike about four weeks after his surgery, uh, riding his bike to work, and someone ran him off the road, and he had a massive uh, fracture in his collarbone and other places, so he was out of work for two years. He was $40,000 or 40,000 pounds in debt. They were living off of credit cards, him and his wife, and he submitted the application to this show on a coin toss. He, a- he accidentally came across the application for this. And he was late at night. It was the day before the last day for applications. And he literally stood in his, in his place of business where he had the computer. And he flipped the coin and said, if it comes up heads, I'll submit it. And if it comes up tails, I will not submit it. Sends it in. After this performance you just watched right there, his messages were still saying, I didn't do very good. Where's the trap door? I hope I can get off the stage as fast as possible. I know that I made a fool of myself because I didn't hit that top note exactly right. It was a little strained, and they're going to hear it, and there's no way in the world they're going to let me through. There's just no way in the world they're going to let me through. What do you think of Paul Potts? Pretty nice, isn't it? He's a car phone salesman. Physiologically, what did you see? Actually, I saw kind of confidence. He had great singing posture, he knew what he was doing. Yep, yep. He's... Yeah, there was a focus there. yeah, there was absolutely a focus. What else did you see though? He could tell the judges didn't believe in it. Oh man, the judges were looking at each other going, Are you kidding me? And he saw it. Oh yeah. He's reading into it for sure. They don't they didn't believe in him. Again, makes really good television. Messages that he had heard that he was telling himself primarily was what? He couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And, it and it wasn't good enough. So later that same year, this is for the Queen. He's singing for the Queen of England. Does he look different?
2: The sound different on your
0: has his grid changed.
2: <laughs>
0: Same song he auditioned. With. such a good song. I'm going to let the whole thing play through. I sound like when I'm sitting with him in the
2: car. How
0: did he change? We all need to go on a game show. That's a very good therapeutic approach. I should start a game show if I want to start changing more people's lives. That's right. Yes. Oh, hold on, hold on. We got two people. I'm going to come back to you in just a second. The first video,
3: he believed he was a car
0: phone salesman. Yep. Yep. First video, he believed he was a car phone salesman. Second video. Yes, he bought in. He changed his identity. He looks different. He got his teeth fixed. He absolutely did, which is not a bad idea. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's actually—it's it, it's true. But if you have the ability to change physiological things that might get in the way, because people judge on first impressions and. You know, if your hair is all messed up and goofy or if you get a haircut, all of that actually matters. And so, take some of that into control. He looked like a car phone salesman because he was $40,000 in debt and he couldn't pay for have his teeth done. Literally. But now, well, his first record sold two or three million in the first couple weeks. Um, he's a millionaire, multiple times over. Platinum albums, he tours the world sings for the queens met the prime minister met presidents just whole different world yes he is approachable he's approachable and yeah I see many opera yep like, um, the famous ones, the really ones that you love, the ones that are approachable yes absolutely there's that warmth to them actually again if you want to he has a little bit of critique from the opera world because they're going he's not a real opera singer hmm. that's what they said some of you might be opera critics and they're able to you know distinguish that or not. I'm not a music buff. I just happen to like the way the guy sings. I like a story. I always like underdog stories. He went from dreaming of to ownership of. He went from dreaming of to ownership of. How? Because this is the important stuff. We finally got to it and it's 840. He took a risk. How? Thank you. I like that he stepped across the line and sat there for a while. You're my new favorite person. <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly what it happens. He 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 did something. He moved it out of. I hope I can do this. Into. I'm going to try. Experience. Has to be present for things to change. Has to be present. Oh, man, we're going to blitz through the end of this. I apologize. We're going to just crank through this. Here's some things that are essential for a blessing. Okay? And then we're going to come back more to how, the, how he changed. Okay? Um, elements of a blessing. This is really important. Meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. Christopher Maloney at the end what was happening to him physiologically? How many people were touching him? Mother. Yeah. Grandmother? The host? The host? The host. How? How he grab he his- grabbed his whole face up on the <laughs> cheeks. Okay? Isn't that amazing? Handshakes, hugs, touch, meaningful touch, safe touch. We live in a world sometimes where we don't get touched for months, for a long, long time. We never get touched by our parents. We never, get, we never have interactions that are safe in that way. Without that touch, um, again, Paul Potts there. I watched watched him before he sang for the Queen. He was just freaked out. Just, you know, he was afraid he was going to screw up. And Simon Cowell comes up to him, pulls him aside, puts his arm around him, and just goes... You've already proven yourself. You don't have to prove you're not a car salesman anymore. You, you, you own this. Just, just do what you love. With his arm around him. Simon Cowell, not always the warmest guy in the room, <laughs> but he still understood. When we lose the capacity to touch, when we're afraid to interact, why do you think, again, kind of sneaky of me, why do I think I have you start the night saying hi to people? to make a meaningful connection. And what do you see a lot of stuff going on here, if you're to watch? How are people greeting each other? Shaking hands. And I actually see hugging going on, arms on shoulders, pats on backs, laughter, all of that. I want you to be able to come to a place and connect, not just up here. That's not enough. I want you to be able to come to a place and say, I can be known, I can shake someone's hand, I can, I can be embraced, and it is, and it conveys something. Um, spoken message. Ah, back to the touch thing real fast. Sorry. Um, Christ. What did Christ do an awful lot of? When he blessed the children, how did he do it? Laying his hands on him. Yep, let the children come unto me. He would embrace them. He would touch them. He would hold them. That touch is essential. The leper, he was approached by a leper. And in that time, in that that society, you literally kept lepers at a stone's throw away. If they got too close of you, you were allowed to pick up a rock and hurl it at their head because you didn't want to catch leprosy. It was so contagious. It was just such a nasty thing. And Christ, when he was approached by the leper, And asked to be healed, Christ didn't say anything to him first. The very first thing he did, he put his hand on him. What do you think that man felt? How long had it been since he had another human being touch him? He touched people. It is. It's essential. It is essential. Spoken messages. Being able to say things, I love you, you can do this, is essential. I read a story where a husband and wife sitting in a counseling office, been married for 20 years, and the wife is going, I've never heard my husband say that he loves me. And the husband turns to her and says, I told you I love you on our wedding day, and that stands till the day I die. I'm glad I wasn't their counselor. (laughs) Hearing that message isn't enough one time. Um, Nicknames, okay? Um, Mean Mike, a guy who was the best man in my wedding, the name for him is Goofy John. But it has meaning behind it. What are the funny names that you have been called over and over? What is the message that you've been heard? Lack of words when you don't have any sort of spoken message, when you don't have that, that missing creates apathy or actually creates a performance base. I have to to do something good enough to actually be noticed to hear any sort of words. So when when those words are missing. Um, Attaching high value to one. Um, Simon Cowell, Paul Potts. He sees him and goes, Again, that big smile because he's a businessman. He goes, I now just attached high value to Paul Potts. <laughs> Both monetarily, okay, he's a businessman. He's in this. He's making money off of this. But he also goes, I, I see what you have available, and I'm going to make sure that I give you every opportunity, every opportunity to do something with it. He had to have other people see the high value in him. Um, picturing a special future. Again, something... Simon Cowell probably did really well with him. The other gal, um, shoot, what's her name really fast? Um, Susan Boyle, thank you. We could have watched her. Susan Boyle comes on, awkward British woman. If you haven't seen her, look her up on YouTube. Great story again. Um, She actually had a brain injury when she was younger, and that's why she's just a little socially off. And I heard interviews with Simon Cowell. He's actually incredibly paternal because he actually steps in and makes sure she doesn't get taken advantage of by other media people or other things. Because he, he, he learned her story and said, I am going to make sure that she is safe, and I'm going to picture a special future for her, and moves through some of that. I can't believe we're actually talking about Simon Cowell in here and using him as examples of <laughs> passing on a blessing. Weirder things have happened. And then an act of commitment. Um, If you think think your kid is good at playing the piano, buy a piano. Can't just say, you're gonna do great at this and then not provide opportunity. You have to have an active commitment. Um, Santiago's parents, we're gonna pull you out of elementary school and we're gonna enroll you in college. We're gonna have an active commitment to see you actually get better. Without a blessing, people can become seekers Their unending search for meaning. They have incredible difficulty actually feeling accepted. They're always looking for something else. Without a blessing, you can become the shattered. Chronic fear, anxiety, depression, and emotional withdrawal. You're just terrified. The smotherers, smotherers, You take all your energy from your spouse, from your children, from other people, because you're trying to fill that void in some way. And so you tend to just drain whoever you're with, which gets in the way of relationships over and over and over again. The angry, as long as people are angry at each other, they are chained to each other. So there's some people who are going, I can't believe my parents messed me up. I am so ticked off at them and I'm going to get even with them or I'm never going to forgive them or someone hurt me and I'm going to make it my life's goal to make sure that I tell everybody what's happened to me and, 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 and you define yourself by this tragic circumstance. That doesn't get you freedom. It keeps you stuck. The, the detached You spend a lifetime protecting yourself from ever getting hurt again. You don't want to risk anything, and so you care about nothing. The driven, performance-based, perfectionism, workaholic, they become really picky. You're trying to earn your blessing. You're trying to prove you're worthy of receiving a blessing. And then finally, the seduced, people who pick pleasure over pain, insert addictions here, trying to just numb out, trying to just feel different, trying to feel better, the seduced. That's what children can become when they don't receive a blessing. That's kind of the ways they get skewed off. What to do if you missed out on a blessing? If you're recognizing, I, I wish I could have been more, my grid is very limited, and I, I can tell you why. If you're starting to put pieces together and going, and going, I want my world to be better, here's the very first things that you start with. You have to be honest about yourself and your situation. You have to have that self-awareness that says, here are the areas I'm lacking in. Here's, here's Here's my grid. Here's the boxes I tend to put things into. Here's how I limit myself. I become honest with myself and my situation. You don't try to sugarcoat it. You also don't try to catastrophize it. You don't try to make it worse than it is. You just go, here's the situation. I have to take an honest assessment. Again, taking your car in, some people go, I don't, my car's got this check engine light, but I've been driving on that way for the last eight months because I'm just afraid they're going to tell me that my car is really broken. I've heard that. Go to the mechanic, get a, an estimate. Uh, You've got to know what's going on. Is it going to be a transmission or is it going to be a tiny little sensor? And then that light goes off. You have to have an accurate assessment of what's going on. I want you to seek to understand your family history. Seek to understand it, not explain it, not rationalize it, not justify it, but just understand, okay, this is what my parents are coming into my my childhood with. Here's, Here's my father's story. Here's my mother's story. Here's why I don't have my father in my life. Understand the circumstances. Some people, they don't know their family history. All they know is it was crappy or it was uncomfortable, or whatever. And so they're they're hesitant to ask the questions. Become curious about your family history so you have an understanding of how it's impacting you. And then you have to gain other people's perspective. That is the whole nature of the TV shows we've just been watching. You go on this game show, and here's these judges with Christopher Maloney, with Paul Potts, with any of these people, and they go, who has been telling you this stuff? Who are they? They're nuts. How in the world have you kept this voice hidden? They gained a different perspective, finally. They started listening to different people. You have to gain other people's perspective. That means you have to submit yourself and and ask hard questions. So you sit in a group like this and you go, I'm really struggling with interacting in this way. Can can you speak into my life? What's going on? What do you see? And you have to sit in a state of openness. You have to be in a state of receptivity so that you can go, I'm willing to hear things differently. I might not have a box for it on my grid yet, but I want a box for it. I want to hear positive things or at least different things. And then you have to actively do something to counteract The curse. Paul Potts would have still been selling mobile phones. Christopher Maloney would have still been a customer service representative. They finally stopped ripping up the applications and actually went on the show. They tried something. They risked something. Now, really good news. Most of you, to grow in your way, don't have to do that in front of a national television audience. That's good. Okay? You can do it in a much smaller audience. But I, I, know, I know for a fact that some of you right now standing up in front of this audience right here would be terrifying enough. That I'd be like, there's too many people and if I'm going to make myself a fool in front of them, no thank you, I'll just stay sitting right in my seat and I'm not going to move. You have to do something to counteract the message. I don't know if I've told Ben this. I think I might have. Um, six years ago, the very first time I was asked to come speak here, um, I knew what I wanted to speak on, failure. I didn't have a curriculum, but I said yes. When I said yes, what did that force me to do? I, I got to come up with something. <laughs> and so it put it put. It put a commitment into my efforts. I already wanted to research it. I already wanted to develop the curriculum, but now I was forced to. I said yes before I was ready. You might have to do something like that. Real, uh, oh, what happened? Be honest. But that's apparently not supposed to be there. Um, appropriately distance yourself from those that actively reinforce the curse. It is near impossible to change your perspective if the people who are in your life continue to remind you of your faults, your mistakes, your failures, your limitations. Now, that word there, appropriately distance yourself. This doesn't mean that you just get to run away from whoever's being mean to you. There are certain steps that need to happen. You need to seek guidance in how to do that, but you have to be active. You have to be intentional and say, I am done having these negative boxes reinforced in my life. I'm going to have to put someone else, put some other message in here. How could anyone as dumb and ugly as you have such a good-looking child? Mark's mother was grinning as she cuddled her grandson in her arms. To most observers, her words might have been brushed aside as a bad joke, but almost instantly they brought tears to Mark's eyes. Stop it, Mark said emphatically. That's all I've ever heard from you. I've taken, it's taken me years to believe I'm not ugly or dumb. Why do you think I haven't been home in so long? I don't ever want you to call me dumb again. Mark's mother sat in stunned silence. Tears came to her eyes. After all, she really had meant her word as a joke. But for the first time, one of her children had the courage to confront her. For years, without realizing the impact of her words, this mother had constantly kidded her children about being stupid, fat, or ugly. After all, she had been kidded that way, unmercifully, by her mother when she was growing up. When you don't know your story and what you're bringing into it as a parent, it will repeat itself. And it took her child, a grown adult child, to say, stop it. Appropriately distancing. You have to confront sometimes. You have to say, enough is enough. You might have to have physical boundaries. You might have to quit the job where the boss continues, continues to limit you. You might have to visit family less often you might have to end bad friendships. That's actually one of the things I hear very frequently. It's like I have these people, these friends, they just keep teasing me. Or they keep, every time I get hang out with them, I'm just exhausted by them. It's appropriate to end bad relationships, bad friendships. It's incredibly healthy to do that. Find the people you want to be like or take rich people out to lunch more often. <laughs> if you're poor... Find the guy who's not poor and say, I want to buy you lunch because I want to figure out how you got that way, and I'm not. Poor people should take rich people out to lunch more often. Not just financially. Maybe they're rich emotionally. Maybe they're rich experientially. Maybe they're rich in their job. Maybe they're rich in their family life. Maybe they're rich spiritually. Find the people who actually are further down the road that you want to be walking and go, can I hang out? Can I, buy, can I bug you? It's essential. And a lot of times those guys go, absolutely, I would love to do that. Especially if you're buying lunch. (laughs) Or coffee if you're, you know, you're really poor. And then finally, fill your mind with transformation stories. You guys get to watch lots of transformation stories up here. The Paul Potts, the Chris Maloney's, the Susan Boyle's, the underdogs, the come from behind, the rudies okay? When you watch people actually transform their lives, it challenges that big box in your head which says, I can't actually do that because here's someone who's actually done it. Every, 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 every single time, though, they are doing something. They don't just change by sitting there and going, I hope I get better. It requires some sort of action, and that action will make you uncomfortable. So what now? And I'm aware of the time. We're going to wrap it up real quick here. Number one, awareness of your grid. You have to start defining. What are the boxes? Or what are the things that I put categories into? What are the, what are the information um, that, I'm, that I'm filtering all this stuff into? What is your grid? You have to break the rules and dream. We're going to talk about that next week more. You sometimes have to be unreasonable and you have to entertain new boxes. You have to break the rules. I know some of you in this room right now have actually been discouraged from dreaming. You're going, you should just stay practical. Don't get your head in the clouds. Just figure out what you can do and just make it. Just survive. That will never allow you to change. You have to dream. You have to be unreasonable. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to argue with the negative voices and you have to get fed up. You have to say enough is enough. You have to say that's it. Whether it's someone else stopping me or my own voice stopping me, I am sick and stinking tired of living this very scared, very timid, very stuck life. And it becomes an internal battle. You sometimes have to argue it out. You sometimes have to You look like this crazy guy driving down the road as you're arguing with yourself, but you have to just, you have to out loud. Okay, well, here's the next part. You have to say it out loud. You have to say it out loud. You have to say it out loud. Thinking in your brain is not enough. You have to actually hear your voice, because when you do that, you actually process it with different parts of your brain. When you're saying it out loud, you're using the speech centers and the hearing centers. When you write it, you now engage the tactile parts of your brain and the visual cortex. Using more of your brain to challenge this message. I haven't figured out how to get smell in there yet, but I'll work on it, okay? And then you have to tell somebody. If you keep it to yourself, if you keep yourself limited, because you're like, if I tell somebody, I might not, I might not actually survive and they're going to laugh at me. When you tell someone, you stand up and you go, I'm going to try this. I might fail. I might screw up. I might completely fail and, and not make this, but... I'm going I'm to make this public. Now you have other people's perspective. Remember that step a couple times back? That other people's perspective can now start to challenge when you have those negative voices coming in. So whatever, whatever way that is, whatever other voice you need to have, tell somebody. Even if it needs to sound like I'm terrified to tell you this, I'm scared to put this out here because I'm afraid of making a fool of myself, but here's what I want to be different in. Here's how I want to grow. I'm sick and stinking tired of it. And if they go, well you know what, you're actually not going to do very good at it, then get out of there. (laughs) Fire them. Find somewhere else to hang out. Do not tolerate people reinforce any curse that you have. And you have to fight them, you have to battle it. Some of you, you might start weeding through your long list of uh, Facebook friends because all these negative curses and all these, all these negative comments and stuff. It's just like, I, I'm not going to saturate myself in all this negativity anymore. I, I'm ton. I'm tired of it. I'm only going to find the people who say, what can you do? How can you do it better? How can you challenge yourself? What do you want to try? And what if you want to try? Man, go for it. you got to get angry. Okay, that's it. 9:04. I um, apologize for going over a few minutes. My greatest desire, with all of my heart, what I ache for each one of you is you can walk out of this experience. Whether tonight's the only night you show up or you come to all seven nights, I want you to get unstuck. I don't want you to be burdened anymore, okay? You might not do the Paul Potts transformation and make a million, two million, three million, six million dollars by the end of this series. If I had that guarantee, I'd probably have more people, okay? But if you can take one step, it takes one, it takes two. I want you to get unstuck. It's gonna scare the crap out of some of you. Some of you. Do it anyway. Please, do it anyway.
3: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.